want you to get your Bible, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. We'll be looking at verse 31. Lord, I thank you. I praise you for your spirit that is in this place. I thank you for uh, the opportunity, God, to stand here and to, to speak your words. Lord, I don't take it lightly, but I ask that you would anoint your word again and and that you would allow your, your words and your thoughts to come through me. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Who can you trust? Who, who can you trust? I want you to think about that for a minute. Who can you trust? Some of you could tell me who you can't trust, couldn't you? You could give me a list of people that was a mistake to trust, couldn't you? And who can you trust? Farzana Parveen was just 25 years old. She was three months pregnant. She was murdered this past week in Lahore, Pakistan, just a few days ago. And she is the latest of 869 known, that's what are known, women to be the victims of what is called in those countries an honor killing. Her crime was that she brought dishonor to her family because she married the man she loved rather than the one they had chosen for her. And so a group of about 20 people, which included her own father and her own brothers, gathered around her while one of them placed a noose of rough cloth around her neck and held her in one spot while the rest of her family and friends hit her in the head with bricks until she died. All of this was done publicly and was reported by CNN News on Wednesday this week. Now, I want you to ask yourself, what could your son or daughter do to cause you to carry out an act like that? I thought about it for a long time when I read that story and I could only come to one conclusion and that was this. Sometimes a person's beliefs can be stronger than natural love. That's the only way I can explain how a father who had held his baby girl in his arms and provided for her all of her life, could eventually decide that what she had done went so desperately against what he believed that he had to cave her skull in with bricks. What kind of a God would require that of man? It's quiet in here today. I want you to think a little bit. None. There's only one God, and he would never demand murder to prove loyalty. You say, well, what about Abraham? I mean, he, he took his son up there, and he was about ready to kill him. Well, he was willing, but he didn't do it, and God didn't let him, and God wasn't ever going to let him. God was simply testing him to see how much he loved him, and would he obey God has never required 
or condoned the murder of another person regardless of what that person had done. You say, oh, wait a minute. There's been a lot of bad people on this planet that have been killed, and we'd like to think that our just God killed them. Your just God loves everybody, even the bad ones, and wants to save them all. So God's love requires living for him, not killing for him. If you're trying to determine what course or what path you should take in life and what religion you should believe, consider that fact that there are a lot of so-called gods out there that require things of people to prove their loyalty. But there's only one God and he is not asking you to ever strap a bomb to yourself and walk into a crowd of people. I've been known over the years, time to time, for not being politically correct. I'm proud of that. It's one of the things I hope I get judged for someday. I hope God can look at me and say, Darren, you just were not politically correct. I'll say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. See, Pastor, you sound arrogant in that. I'm going to tell you something. Bradley and I were talking about this the other day. It just runs in our family to get angry at certain things. We're nice guys, those Rogers. But if you ever want to make us mad, I mean, we don't. I mean, we can go from just being angry to mad. If you ever want to see us mad, mistreat somebody, abuse a woman or a child, or somebody that can't defend themselves, and you'll see a side of the Rogers clan. That you wouldn't see if you attacked them individually. You could attack us personally. It's not that big of a deal. But if we see you attack someone that can't defend himself. There's a righteous indignation that rises up in all of us. I don't know if anybody else in this room has ever prayed prayers like I have. But there was actually times when I was younger. I would pray prayers for God to let me catch someone. God would you let me catch someone slapping a woman. Would you help me to catch some guy abusing his child? God never answered my prayers. For two reasons. He loved me and he loved the person I was praying to catch. The thought of using my life to destroy someone else's is is so completely out there for me. I, I, I can't imagine that. There's, there's something that happens. And guys, we're not trying to be arrogant about it, but there is a love that our God puts in us that causes us to love others to the point that we would give our life and out of love we might take a life, but we would never require a life. For someone to prove their loyalty to us. And neither does our God. He's not behind those bad things that happen. You say, well, why do they? Because God has put us on this planet. All of us with a test. All of us with free choice. 
with free, with basically free will to determine what we're going to do with our life. And in that, some people make really, really bad decisions. And you say, well, why does God allow that? Well, that's our God who is keeping and loving in spite. You say, what about all those missionaries that are being persecuted and some of them are being tormented and they're even being murdered? And how about these people that are on death row in these other countries just because they're Christians? Where is God? He's right there with them in that cell. He's right there with them at that time where that as Stephen, they look up and see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father at that opportune time. And there's a joy and a peace that comes across and over them that allows them to get through. And they're going to receive a victor's crown that not everybody's going to get. But it's never God requiring. It's never God allowing. It was never God condoning. It was simply God with his children in the midst of that situation. Now, I'm talking about some pretty dire things right here. I'm talking about really taking it over the top. I say, who can you trust? Well, most of the time, you don't have to worry that the trust that you invest in someone is going to cost you your life. Most of the time, it won't cost you your very existence, but a lot of us have been hurt badly by trusting in the wrong people. You've been hurt financially or you've been hurt emotionally because you trusted in the wrong people and caused you not to know who to trust because sometimes you trusted somebody that you're supposed to be able to trust and they betrayed you and they hurt you worse than anybody ever could have. It's unimaginable what they did to you. And thereby they have caused something in you that doesn't allow you to trust anybody anymore. And you say, who can I really trust? I mean, who can I trust? And now you have those people around you, husbands or wives or children or family that you love and you do trust. But even in those relationships, some of you still have walls that are up. Even in those most intimate relationships, you still keep up walls that damage your relationships. Because you don't know what else to do because you said, I can't allow myself to ever be vulnerable again because I can't go through again what I've been through before. Who can I trust? My answer is this. God can be trusted. I mean 100% holy. God can be trusted. You'll never go wrong. You'll never be hurt. You'll never be harmed. He won't take your money. He won't take your life. He won't take your happiness He's not after those things. All through our Bible, even those who like to try to use the Old Testament to disprove what I'm about to say now. Would have to someday agree when they meet our father face to face that he is a God of love and compassion. What about that Old Testament God who's opening up the earth and swallowing whole clans? Everything he does, guys, he does it because he loves somebody. He commands us to love one another. And he won't even allow us to hate people who don't agree with us. How about that? In some religions, if other people disagree with your beliefs, you're permitted, in fact, encouraged to destroy them, get rid of them. But not in Christianity. 
You're commanded to love those that spitefully treat you and abuse you. Boy, we struggle with that. We counsel a lot in the church over those type situations. Talk about forgiveness and how hard it is to forgive the people that have done those things to you. And sometimes the only way we can forgive is by being reminded that when you forgive, it's not that you're actually forgiving an act. You're forgiving a person so that you can be released from it and leave it on them. I want you to look at this text today. It's found in the second book of Samuel, chapter 22, and it's verse 31. And I'm just going to, for a couple of minutes, I'm going to break this down. I want to show you how that you can trust our God. If you can't trust anybody else, if in your mind you're to the point that you don't think you can trust anybody else, and I hope nobody feels that way, but maybe someone does. I can't trust anybody. Then I want to show you who you can trust. The passage says here, your way is perfect, Lord. Your word is correct. You're a shield for those who run to you for help. Now, this passage comes from a song that David had sang to the Lord after God had rescued him from his enemies, especially uh, Saul. And so these are the words to a song. But they're words that can be trusted. They, they describe for us in a small part the character of our God. We're reminded of three distinct qualities in this passage. Just this one verse. Three qualities that make God different from anyone else, thereby making him the only 100% trustworthy person on this planet. This verse makes him that person. Breaks down very simply. There's three truths, at least in these verses. It would be called transcultural truths. No matter where you're at, these truths would be the same. Three little truths can be broken out of this verse. The first one is this. The writer tells us that God's ways are perfect. God's ways are perfect. That's a huge statement. No one else's ways are perfect, are they? You know anybody, anybody whose ways are perfect? Who any of their ways are perfect? Do you know anybody whose any of their ways are perfect? I mean, Deb would tell you I'm probably the closest to that. If she were a liar. God's ways are perfect. And here's what that means in its context. I want, I want to show you this. It says, or it means that when it says his ways are perfect, it means his course is complete. What God is trying to convey to us through that, that statement is this. The path that God chooses for you is sound. And everybody's path is different. They all have to start and end with Jesus, but everybody's path is different. The journey that God has you on is the absolute right one for you. Now, let me stop for a second because some of you didn't hear that because you didn't want to. So I'm going to say it until you drop your guard 
and at least listen, at least hear that statement. Because you would say, no, there's no way. There's just no way that this could be God's will. No. The journey God has you on is the absolute right one for you. Because God's ways are perfect. If you are with him, then you're on the right road going the right way. But listen to this. If he is just with you, then none of that has to be true. I need to explain this for a minute because some of you are confused about getting with God or him getting with you. You say, I love Jesus, I love the Lord, but things aren't right. This is what you're saying can't be right because my path isn't perfect. It's too messed up. It's, it's too jacked up for this to be Jesus. Then you need to hear this statement. Or at least you need to answer this question. Are you trying to take him with you? Or are you submitted to him taking you with him? Because too many of you are just trying to get God with you. God, here I am living my life. I'm doing my thing. I'm your child. Get with me on this. God, I'm going somewhere. I'm trying to do something for you. Get with me on this. God, I need healing. God, I need money. Get with me on this. Where is God? God is saying, I have a path and a place for you. I have a road for you. It's perfect for you. You'll love it when you get there, but you can't get there by trying to get me to go with you. You're going to get there by getting with me. Stop praying for me to get with you. Instead, start praying that you crucify your flesh so you can get behind me where the protection is and the promotion is and the provision is. The protection, promotion, and provision is not in front of God. It's behind him. If you decide to try to run out ahead of him, you're on your own. Quit blaming him for what's going on. It's not good that you don't like. His ways are perfect. You don't know them. You have to follow him to be in his ways. Hmm. You know, I am so secure on his path for me. There's nothing like the security of being on the right path. I'm telling you, I, I remember when I had my own path going. And I remember what my prayer sounded like back then. You got to pray a lot when you're in charge. Did you know that? When you're running your life, you got to pray a lot. And God has to work because he got to keep angels. The angels are trying to catch up to you. So you got to pray a lot. But it's so much more secure when you're just following in obedience the path that God has set and the course for your life. At that point, you just get up and you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go eat. How do I know I'm going to go eat? Because I'm God's child. And behind him, there's always something to eat. When you run out in front of him, you're like, hey, God, we're going to need some groceries here. We're going to need some groceries. God says, if you get back here where you belong, I, I know where the grocery store is. We're going to get there. It's good stuff. 
I'm so thankful that God is mindful. It's not that, it's not that as his children that we're better or we deserve better treatment or any of that. It's not how that works. There's some people that think that Christians think that they're entitled, that Christians think they are entitled to a better life. And it's not that at all. It's just that the person who is, who has submitted their life to Christ and died to their flesh and start walking behind God in his path have realized, hey, I could be stupid and I'm going to be okay. I don't even have to be smart back here. telling you, if God removed his spirit from me, I don't know if I'd be able to get my britches on. I rely on him so heavily. I reminded him this morning, said, God, you have got, you have got to do some preaching this morning because those poor folks in trouble. I don't, I don't even know if I can, you know, Darren, spell your name. Uh, I mean, you stand up here someday with those lights right there. I'm secure on this path wherever I get up and I say, okay, I'm up. What are we going to do today, God? Your ways are perfect. Mine are all jacked up. I'm just going to follow you. Where are we going today? What are we going to do today? Yeah, I told you we just got back from that trip. And on this past Tuesday, it, the weather was bad. And uh, when, we, when we landed in Houston, uh, we were running to try to make that next flight. And uh, the travel agent had, had booked us out of Tulsa instead of X and A because it was a little bit cheaper. Actually, it was a lot cheaper. <laughs> and so, uh, and I didn't care because they weren't, they weren't early flights or anything. It wasn't no big deal. It was just a leisure thing of going over, driving over. No big deal. But when we get back to Houston and our flight to Houston to Tulsa uh, has been canceled. And there's three more that are going to be going that day, but because of the weather, there's no, there's not a real good chance that any of them are going to fly. And so all you can hear throughout the Houston airport is, this flight's been canceled. This flight's been canceled. This flight's been canceled. And literally thousands of some panicking people and others very frustrated. It kind of looked like your video up there. I mean, that was worse. I'll promise you that was worse. A lot worse, brother. But I've been known to stretch it just a little bit to make a point. The Houston airport looked somewhat like that. Minus the cars. Frantically, people are... And every time one flight's canceled and they say, uh, the next flight to that particular city is in another gate, and you see the people in this gate, and they just bust up and just, just take off running. You've been there. You've seen it. They're just busting a move. People that hadn't ran in years. <laughs> they all sound like they got asthma. <laughs> Eyes is big, and they're just busting it, you know. Run in every direction. It's a mess. I mean, we, we, got, we got to the, the, the gate. And we ran down there because we were a little bit late. Our flight had been a little bit delayed. And so we were late getting there and thinking, man, we're going to be late. So we run down there. Don't you love traveling where you get up at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning and nothing's open for breakfast. So you go to the airport thinking we'll have a chance to eat sometime today. And instead, you spend 19 hours running from place to place and never a chance to eat. But you're waiting the whole time. It makes absolutely no sense. We've been at this for 19 hours. I got a splitting headache and I'm starving to death and we're we're nowhere and we haven't had time to eat. It's like waiting in lines at Six Flags in the summer. 
So we wait in the back of this line, I'm telling you, for at least 30 to 45 minutes to get to customer service so that we could talk to one of the poor, nice people that are sitting up here dealing with these hundreds and thousands of irate people. And we finally get to this lady, and by the time we get to her, she's dealt with enough folks, and she's not, at this point, she's really not got a good attitude. I'm just going to tell you, she didn't have a very good attitude. I, I had a better attitude than she did. But I've learned over the years, you get a lot more with honey than you do with vinegar. First words out of your mouth are not, Hey, what's going on here? How come I'm not dancing? What are you going to do with that? You know, it's, how are you? you have, are you doing okay? Yeah, yeah, I know this is hectic, but are you, are you all right? You just, let's, let's, let's relax. Let's all take a deep breath. I'm calm. You're calm. The Holy Spirit had spoken to me before we ever got to the front of the line. And he said, you know, because I was like, man, I don't want to stay here. These people are going to stay all night. We're going to have to get a motel. We're, we're going to la, 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 la. I just don't want to be here. I want to go home, right? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like you're in the bottom of a prison somewhere and they're going to have to stay one more night. I mean, it's just Houston. I mean, it's close to that, but it's just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> but it's just Houston. She says, we can put you on standby for one of these other flights, but she said, you'll be numbers 11 and 12 on a plane of about 30 where thousands of other people are trying to get on, right? And then that flight's canceled and the next one's canceled and the next one. So you got 30 25, 30 people trying to get on the, a plane that seats 30-something people. And so we said, well, put us on standby. And then we, we, we go and we go find something to eat. And then I'm thinking, I'm just going to call a travel agent. So I picked up the phone. I called the travel agent back here. And I said, hey, we're stuck down here in Houston. What's going on? Can you help us out? She says, well, what are you trying to do? He said, we're trying to go to Tulsa. She said, you're not going to go to Tulsa. She said, hey, hang on a minute. I'm looking. There's a couple of flights open to XNA. She said, run, get in line, get on, come on back to XNA. I'm like, I can do that. I'll leave my car in Tulsa, leave my bags. I don't give a rip if I get home. I'll find all that stuff in the next couple of weeks. I don't care where, I don't care. I just want to go home, right? So I, we go busting a move back to the same line that we had been in. And, and at the time when we got there, we could tell this is going to be longer than it was before. And just as I stepped behind this person over the loudspeaker, Daryl, which is not my name, but it's close enough. It's his name. Daryl and Deborah Rogers, would you please come to the customer service? I'm like, well, that's you. It's not me, but I'm with you. I go running over, the, they say, please come to the gate, whatever, 86. So I go to this woman over at gate 86, and she said, no, that wasn't me. I didn't call you. I didn't even hear it. I don't know what's going on. And there's Deb over on this. She's going like this. I go running over there, and this lady says, uh, the lady that we had talked to before, she's got this big old long line, and she looks at us, she says, oh, yeah, I need to talk to you all for a minute. And Deb says, uh, the lady that wants to talk to us wasn't talking when I, she said, I was watching her mouth. When the announcement was going over the, over, over the system and she wasn't talking. She was working with another customer and nobody else knows what's going on. She said, I don't know, but anybody but us heard that. It's like, well, God doesn't know my name, but he got close. And he, I mean, that's pretty close out of seven billion of us. 
I'll take it. Just get me in. Isn't it amazing, though? The lady, she sees us. She says, oh, yeah, come here, come here. She said, just cut, just cut the line. I'm like, sorry, sorry. She says, you know what? She said, and this is with hundreds of people whining and squalling and crying and yelling and laying. I mean, just, just nuts. And she says, I was looking through here a minute ago. And she said, I was going past this XNA flight. And she said, I remembered you guys. And so she said, I held you. Is it okay? I held you a couple of those seats. I'm like, yes. Isn't that amazing? In the middle of all that, I just, you know, I was like, man, I want to go home. This isn't fun. This isn't good. God, I know everybody else wants to go home too. People are sick, and I understand. And everybody in here has got a good reason to go. And it's not that big of a deal. And I understand all that. It's not like we're better than anybody else. But I just like being on his path because his ways are perfect. I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of that. I just hung around in the Houston airport until God put me on a plane. And I went home that night and there's hundreds and thousands of other people down there that might still be there. I'm telling you, what we need to do is get with him instead of trying to get him with you. Very quickly, these next two. Number two, the scripture said, his word is correct. That means that his words and his commands are pure, they are refined, and they are tried. That's what that means. So whenever, the word, whenever you are trying to rely on the word of God, it is okay. You can trust the word of God because the word of God is, first of all, pure. There's no hidden manipulation, manipulation or motivation, no hidden agenda. It's pure and it's tried. So when he says something, it's true and his instructions work. Have you ever seen all that stuff in the Bible that says do this, 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 and this, and you got mad and rebellious because you said, I'm not going to serve anybody. And God says, well, you're an idiot because all I was doing was giving you some instructions. The instructions work. It's your choice whether or not you want to follow them, but they work. Winston Churchill made a statement years and years ago. He said, men occasionally stumble over the truth. But most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing's happened. How calming is it to know the truth? A lot of other people will attempt to lie to you or take advantage of you. But you need to understand something about God. Listen to this statement. It does not profit God in any way to take advantage of you because he doesn't need anything you have. Everybody that's lying to you and manipulating you, it's because you have something they want and they're trying to get it. It's power, it's control. But with God, he doesn't need anything you have. He has no reason to want to manipulate you. There's no reason for him to try to coerce you. Huh. He has no hidden agenda, no impure motives. So he could tell you the truth every time. Let me give you a, a real quick story to illustrate this point about how that the truth can sometimes be impure. One day, the captain on the ship recorded in the ship's log, quote, first mate drunk today. Now, it was a true statement, but it was the first time that this individual had ever done that on the boat. And so he went to the captain, and he begged him to amend the statement, but the captain refused. He said, it's a true statement, and it was. 
So the next time the first mate was in charge of the ship, he recorded in the log, Captain Sober today. He was every day, but can you see how... Have you ever been the victim of that kind of a report? Either written or verbal? It's like trying to brag on someone and you say, he's a nice guy, he only beats his wife when he's drunk. How is that good? Well, he doesn't do it all the time. You can't trust the way that people decide to write or think because people can get it in for you. And even in that, even in having to say the right thing, they can somehow construe it around to make even good look bad. Anybody that has cause to want to control you will find a way to make you look bad, even if there's not anything bad to say. But God won't. Because he has no motive to do so. He has no reason. The scripture said that his word is correct. And number three, his protection is sure. Look at the end of the verse. It says, you are a shield for those who run to you for help. He's a shield for those who run to him for help. I don't guess he is a shield for those who run from him for help. He is a shield for those who run to him for help. And that means that he protects everybody that trusts him. Uh Uh-oh, you better hear that. He protects everybody who trusts him. He doesn't protect everybody. He's not bound to, is he? He's bound by his word to protect everyone who trusts him. That means he's not ever going to turn against you. He's never going to change his mind about you. Man, I wish you could hear me right now. Some of you have been the victim of folks changing their mind on you all your life. He's a good guy and then they decide to change their mind. You started working there and the first few reports were really good until somebody started wanting your job and all of a sudden those reports started looking bad. Huh? He's not going to change his mind about you. He cannot be bribed. I know all of you have seen pictures of the Great Wall of China. It's a gigantic structure. It cost an immense amount of money to build and a lot of labor at that. When it was finished, it, it appeared that it was impregnable. But it was breached by an enemy. But they didn't do it by going... By breaking it down or by going over or by going under or even by going around. Do you know how that they were able to breach? They did it by bribing the gatekeepers. That's how they got in. I'm thankful that nobody can change God's mind about me. I've even known folks in the church that got mad at me and didn't like me. I can't imagine what they were praying. Can you imagine that brothers and sisters would pray against one another? Oh, God, you know I'm the right one. Huh? How many prayers does God hear? God, you know I'm the right one, and they're the wrong one. God, I want to invoke upon you the prayer that David prayed, that you would kill everybody that pees against the wall. 
That's in the Bible. Only I said it a lot nicer than the way it appears. David got mad one day. He said, kill every man there. That's what he was saying. This culture, it could have, I guess it could have meant all the men and some of the women. Sometimes we want to pray those prayers that hurt somebody else. Oh God, they, 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 they mistreated me. That, that Sunday school teacher, he, I didn't like what he taught this morning. I, I pray that he'll have a flat tire when he goes out to his car. I didn't like the way so-and-so looked at me, Lord. You know, they don't, they don't treat me right. They don't like me. They'd never like me. God, I pray something bad happens to them this week. I pray something bad happens to them. And then when it does, God answered my prayer, and they had that coming. That's not God. God did not answer that prayer. God had nothing to do with that. God doesn't even want to hear God's not going to hear that prayer. God's not going to answer that prayer. That prayer is not according to his will, way, and word. This is not the God that can be coerced or bribed. You can't get God to change his mind about his children. Somebody's not going to pray against you and something bad happened because God changed his mind. You can't, you can't be sitting here and thinking something's going to happen today because another brother or sister prayed a bad thing on me. God won't do that. He's not fickle like that. His protection is sure. He's the only one you can count on. He'll hide you and he'll defend you and he'll protect you and he'll preserve you because you are his prized possession. I want you to think of something. I'm concluding with this. But what would you do if somebody stole your most prized possession? Think about the thing you care the most about in life. Think about it. Get in your mind the thing that you care the very most about. What would you do if someone stole that and you knew who they were? Now take out of the fact, don't give me all your scripture verses and all your, all your Christianese and all that stuff that you're going to try. I'm talking about you, little old you, on a Monday, not on a Sunday. What would you on Monday do if somebody, and you weren't in church and none of the church folk were looking, what would you do? Don't give me all that. Well, the Lord says turn the other. Yeah, the Lord said turn the other cheek. But when did you do that last time? When it wasn't a Sunday and there wasn't nobody looking. It's right, but when did you do it? What would you do on a bad day if somebody takes away from you your most prized possession and you know who did it? At the very least, you're going to pray some ugly prayers. God, I pray that their legs get broke. I pray. I pray that their car blows up with them in it. Huh? Now I want you to think about this. Just think of what God can do to anyone that tries to steal something of his. And you're his. You are his most prized possession. So what happens when the devil comes and says, I think I'll just steal them. What would you do? What can God do? How much power and authority and control does God have? And to know that I belong to him, I'm in the safest place belonging to him because his protection is sure. The devil comes and tries to destroy me. He comes and tries to hurt me, comes and tries to harm me. Guess what God can do and will do to him? I can trust him. You may or may not be in good hands with all state folks. But you will be with God. 
You can never be in better hands than to be in possession of God Almighty because his protection is sure. Let's go back to where we started and make the statement that nothing can override his love. He's not going to change his mind someday and have somebody wrap a noose around your neck. Nothing can override his love. He'll never change his mind. He'll never change his beliefs. He can be trusted. That means you can trust him with your soul. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your money, your future, your health, your eternity. And you'll never be betrayed and you'll never be forsaken. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of people in this, on this planet that, that might look good and talk nice that would betray you in a second. But you can never go wrong trusting God. That's your verse. It's just one verse, guys. Just one verse. That's your verse for the week. You can trust God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. It's not late yet. It's Sunday all day. This is God's day all day long. It's not late yet. And there's some people that need an opportunity to respond to this word today. I can't preach a word like this and then just tell people, all right, have fun with that word and go on home. Because there's some people in this room that are saying, Pastor, I got, I, I got something stirring in my heart. I got something stirring in my spirit. I got to deal with this word. First of all, there are people in this room who are, who are at the very core of their soul, the very base question they are trying to answer is this one of trust. Trusting Christ with their soul. never been able to trust anybody else pastor i've never been able to trust a church churches have hurt me preachers have hurt me Sunday school teachers have hurt me i've never been able to trust anybody i'm telling you you can trust god with your soul none of this word today is yours as long as you're staying in control as long as you're guarding your own heart as long as you're trying to hang on to your own soul but the very first thing you have to do is you have to surrender your soul to jesus is there anyone in this room right now that would stand to their feet? Nobody's looking, it's just me. Is there anybody that would stand to their feet and say, you know what, today I am ready to trust Christ with my soul. I'm ready. There may be people that think you've done that a long time ago, that you got saved a long time ago, that you raised your hand and prayed a prayer. I'm talking today though, I'm going beyond an emotional response. I'm going to somebody and saying, are you ready today? Regardless of how long you've been sitting around in churches, are you ready today to trust Christ with your soul? <clears throat> if that's you, stand to your feet. Who else? I'm ready to trust him with my soul. Come on. Come on. Come on. I want to trust him with my soul. Keep standing, guys. I'm not going to call you down just yet. I want you to stand for a minute. Who will say, I'm, I'm, I, have, I, I gave my heart to Jesus, but I've never trusted him with my day-to-day -day life. I keep trying to control my life. Who would say in this room and stand with these today and say, I'm ready to trust Christ with my life? Stand to your feet. Come on. 
I know I've been hanging on for a long time. I've been trying to be in control for a long, long time. But I'm ready to trust Christ with my life. Who'll do that? Who'll do it? Come on, keep standing. Keep standing. Who would join these and say, I'm ready to trust Christ today with my future. I've been so worried about what I was going to do with my life and my future and where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do and who I'm going to marry and, and all the, who, where I'm going to be and all those decisions, all those crazy things. I'm ready today to trust Christ with my future. I want you to stand to your feet. Come on, keep standing. Keep standing. This God can be trusted. God's going to do an amazing work in some of your lives today. Already the Holy Spirit's starting to break you. Do you feel that? Holy Spirit, is start, He's moving in and all, all, already your, your soul is starting to be softened. and You're starting to be broken. How many would join these that are standing and say, You know what? I gave God everything, but I've been trying to hold on to my money. But today I'm going to trust Christ with my money. Would you trust Him with your money? Can you trust Him with your soul and not your money? No, it's crazy. How many would say, I'm ready today to trust Christ with my money. I'm going to be obedient and follow Him all the rest of the days of my life. Whatever He says, it's His money, not mine. How many would stand and say, I'm going to trust Him with me? I'm not going to manipulate you now. We're not going to take an offering when this is over. I'm asking you a question. This is between you and God. it got nothing to do with me. I'm ready to trust Christ with my money. Come on. How many are going to do it? Stand up. How many people in this room now will stand up and say, I'm ready to trust Christ with my health? I'm going to have to just trust him with my health. I have to trust him with my health. Guys, I'm, 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 feel, I'm not trying to be manipulative, but I am feeling an anointing starting to move in here that's different than the one that was here a few minutes ago. There's a healing fixing to start sweeping through this building. I want to trust him with my health. If that's you, stand to your feet. I'm ready to quit arguing with God. I'm ready to pray the nevertheless prayer. I'm going to trust him with my health. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. How many of you say, I'm ready to trust him with my mind? I'm so tired of overthinking everything I just think, think, think I'm just so emotionally and mentally distressed and tired I just, I'm just so trying to outthink God I'm always trying to outthink God I, did, I just need to trust God with my mind stand, stand I can't outthink Him I just, His ways are beyond mine I can't outthink Him I'm always wore out I'm always stressed out I'm always tired because I'm always trying to think I've been trying so hard to get God with me. How many would say, I've been trying to get God with me instead of me get with Him? If that's you, stand to your feet. I, I, I understand today, I'm the, one that's been, I'm the one that's been trying to run the show. i, I got to get with Him instead of asking Him to constantly get with me. I'm constantly praying, get with me on this God. And He's saying, no, I'll get with you when you get with me. Here's the last one. I'm going to trust Christ with forgiveness. I know he forgives me, but I'm having a hard time forgiving someone else. I want to trust Christ today, and I'm going to give him my hurt. I've been holding on to this for, boy, I feel that one. I've been holding on to this for a long, long time. I just can't bear this any longer, this unforgiveness, this hatred, this bitterness. And I'm just ready to trust Christ 
with my forgiveness. I'm going to do this and just trust him with it. If that's you, stand to your feet. Now, every person standing in this room, I want you to lift both of your hands. This is an act of surrender. It's not anything, it's not anything crazy, spiritual, super spiritual. These are just people who have come to a place where they're facing someone and they realize that other person is all powerful and in all control. And they throw up their hands, they throw down their weapons, they throw down their defenses, they throw up their hands and they say, I surrender, I surrender unconditionally. I surrender, God. I'm turning it over to you. I trust you to be able to deal with with me hands up hands up now Holy Spirit just begin to rain down in this room you know where they are Lord I'm not I'm not nobody's touching them they're not in a line God there they are right there where they are Holy Spirit you touch them let the power of the Holy Ghost right now begin to rain down in this place. God, I'm not talking about sprinkling, but let the power of the Holy Ghost begin to, to begin to rain. God, let it rain. God, let it rain. Let it rain. Now tell him, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. I trust you. I believe you. My hope is in you. I trust you with whatever that was, whatever the reason is you stood, tell him right now, I trust you with that specifically, specifically speak that out right now. I trust you with that. Say it, say it. I trust you. Mean it. Say it. I trust you with that. Don't hold on to it. Now, some of you are really struggling. Those hands in the air, put them in the air and surrender and say, I trust you, God. I trust you. Oh, I'm telling you, once you do it and you mean it, when you say it and you mean it, there's a dam that's going to break in your soul. Chains, you're going to almost literally hear them falling around you. I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you, God. Let your Holy Ghost fall all over this room, all over this room. Those of you that are, that, are, that are standing because you want to trust Christ with your soul, just pray that simple prayer. Lord, I believe you. I know you're my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry. I want to serve you. I want to be a part of your family. Forgive me for my sins. Lord, today I, I give you my soul. I give you all that I am. Pray that prayer.